This is a Soulfire production. Hey, how you doing? Hope you're well out there and um, in the world. Protests continue. Things are happening. All kinds of stuff is going down. But today's episode is a little different. It's a little different because by popular demand, I am going to have to respond to the Candace Owen Owens, excuse me, Candace Owens video where she um, kind of drags George Floyd through the through the dirt and uh, shares her lack of support for him and explains why. Um, you know, honestly, this was something that I didn't necessarily want and have a strong desire. I mean, I obviously had opinions about it, didn't really want to jump into, and I tried to figure out uh, really where my role is as far as criticizing um, what she has to say. Uh, and we'll get into a little bit more of that as we jump into her commentary and my commentary on her commentary. But that's really, since it is an 18-minute long video, and if you haven't seen the whole thing, you're going to get the whole thing here. And I did not want, I was tempted, but I did not want to clip it up because there's some things in there that make me uncomfortable, that will make you uncomfortable. And I didn't want to sugarcoat this thing or cherry pick just bits and pieces that I could you know, pick apart. That's the kind of stuff that I don't like that people do. That's the kind of stuff that I really don't respect and appreciate when people really cherry pick things that they want to dismantle or want to be able to write, you know, a tweet or label their, you know, YouTube video. I, you know, Connor destroys Candace Owens. That's not what this is about. But I do want to offer some thoughts, some some feedback, and really share with you where I'm coming from in this whole thing because this is now become partisan, right? These things, the, these events happen, they kind of get the attention of, of the American public. And for a brief, just a little couple of days, just a quick breath, we get to experience unity. These brief intersections uh, of the cultural zeitgeist where we get to experience unity for just a second, and then it becomes partisan. And this has become partisan. The, the, the protests, George Floyd, uh, Black Lives Matter, it, it has all become a left-right issue now. And it has really, of course, with it being an election year, there's so much getting attached to this. And Democrats are out doing dumb shit and, and kneeling with you know African cloths on and, and this complete just like photo op bullshit as if they give a fuck when they were passing the crime bill in the 90s. It's the same people. It's the same people who passed legislation that suppress black people all across the country and have been, you know, when Obama was president, when the housing crisis happened, and then, you know, who, who, who bore the brunt of that situation? Not the CEOs, not the banks, low-income housing. And that hammers black people, hammers. But now we're going to take a knee because we give a fuck all of a sudden. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's partisan song and dance. I don't give a fuck. I don't even want to cover. I don't even want to give it airtime on my show. And this 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 medium sized show that I have. I don't want to give the the Democratic establishment taking a glorified knee in some pretty room somewhere with some African cloths on their on their fucking shoulders. Like, where did that even come from? What was that even about? Who even knows? No one knows. They don't know. 
They don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. They just want to make Trump look bad, and Trump wants to make them look bad. And it's a song and dance. It's the fucking. It's, it's the equivalent of a sock puppet show, except it has consequences. That's what we live with right now. But real quick, before I go into any more tangents, uh, if you like this show, if you're down with this show, if you like to party with this show, make sure to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave it a five star review. It helps a ton. It helps a lot, and I appreciate it very much. Also, go over to YouTube, search Connor Moore. I will pop up. And you will subscribe and you will enjoy the full experience of this show. We break down every clip, every video, and we get copyright claims on a regular basis, but we don't give a fuck because we're doing this for you. So make sure to go over to YouTube and subscribe the full, you'll get to see my, my, think about how great this would be. You get to see my facial reactions to Candace Owens on YouTube. That's where it's at. Find me there. It'll be fun. Please do it. And share the show with anybody that you think would like, appreciate it. And if you want me to go into some topic, just find me somewhere on the gram. Send me, I don't know, wherever you find, wherever you can find me, <laughs> probably Instagram. And let me know which one to dive into. And the reason that I got into, I spent so much time getting into this Candace Owens thing is because people really wanted to hear about it. So if I can hear from you and hear what you want me to talk about, what you want to get into, um, I can do my work on my end to make it happen. Cool. All right. So before we get into the state of things, a couple of things happen that I'm not going to be covering. They, they, they remain on the cutting room floor. Uh, some of this, some stuff I could dogpile on that I feel like would be fun. Um, but since I don't necessarily get paid for this yet, <laughs> this is one of the things that I do because I truly enjoy it. Um, don't have the time to get into all of them, but Ivanka Trump gave some kind of commencement speech to some kind of school where she uh, shared how she's learned so much in her life through her struggles. Um, so that's absurd. And I actually try, I wanted to put that in the show and I started, I got three minutes into like a 15 minute speech and I, I just couldn't anymore. She, I think she, she has so much Botox that her face just like doesn't have any expression to it. It's very weird. And um, yeah, you know, Trump decided that he was going <laughs> to, create a rebuttal to his bunker situation and said he was just he was just inspecting the bunker just in case just in case he wasn't down there for an extended period of time he was just checking it out making sure everything was good because that's what the secret service wanted which was obviously bullshit now one thing i want you to look into that i'm not going to cover on the show because it has been a little a little time has passed and i feel like some people out there have done a great job covering this uh namely the hill kyle kalinsky you know my people um 75-year-old man got pushed down by the police. They claimed that he tripped, which was absolutely ridiculous. Um, the two officers who were involved in shoving this man down, busting his head on the concrete, he was bleeding out of his ears, uh, was, not, was not fun to watch. Uh, apparently, he's okay, but I highly recommend, if you haven't gone down the rabbit hole on, on what's going on there, um, go check it out. Go investigate for yourself. Uh, 57 officers resigned in support of the two who pushed him down. Uh, so that's um, that's where that's where they're at. Uh, so really interesting stuff there. Death to go check that out. And yeah, fuck. We're also going to get a little bit of an appearance later. We're going to talk about defunding police in the state of things. Man, I'm all over the place today. Defunding police, Candace Owens, of course. And then we're going to get into something to think about where I'm going to play a video from somebody. You know how I like to bring people, bring content onto this show from people that I learn from, respect, appreciate. Um, 
this guy, he's called, his channel is called Bo of the Fifth Column. And uh, he records these videos. Like the one I'm going to play from you, his newest one I'm going to play for you on the end of this show. Um, it's something to think about. He's going to give you something to think about. He records these videos in like a shed or maybe his garage. Um, and it's great. He does them almost every day. And they're so good. This guy is so good. Like either think about it is like doing this show now and seeing how much goes into really being educated on a topic and wanting to, to discuss it at length. This guy must just have researched this stuff and been consuming this kind of information for so long because he just puts them out like every couple day, every, every day or every other day. And, uh, really impressive, really respect his opinion. Very nonpartisan, which of course I, I love and, uh, very grounded in his approach. So we're going to play a video about the police from him that I thought was outstanding. So you're going to want to hang around from that. But now let's go ahead and get into the state of things. So some crazy shit happened in Seattle. Some crazy shit happened in Seattle. God damn. Crazy shit's happening everywhere, but particularly in Seattle right now. Now, to get the full experience, you got to go to YouTube, like I said. But this dude, this guy, attempts to drive his car into a crowded rally. So he tries to, you know, zoom, zoom it up into this crowded rally. Uh, I mean, I would say not rally protest. It's a protest. It looks peaceful. Like it's, it's crowded as fuck, but it's not out of hand. And he drives up trying to really, I think he looks like he's going to charge into this group of people. Now he doesn't quite make it. He doesn't actually hit anybody with his car. They act, they take one of the barricades from, uh, where they had kind of funneled these people into and used it to block him. Now, when he gets blocked, people charge his car. Uh, one guy reaches in to his car and gets shot. He, so he shoots a guy. Now he's carrying a pistol. It looks like what is an extended magazine, so it probably holds 25 rounds. Uh, and then he just kind of disappears into the crowd. He has been found. He has been arrested. But I wanted to play this video for you guys because it goes it gets pretty pretty wild. Now this guy that's videoing this, his, uh, <laughs> his Twitter handle is pansexualpizza, uh, and his voice is very high-pitched. And uh, very intense. So I'm going to turn the volume down a little bit. But uh, I'm going to play this for you and just kind of recap what's going on. All right, he's driving up. Driving up. They're throwing stuff at him. Blocked him with the, blocked him with the barricade. Reaches in. Boom. Guy gets shot in the arm. Fuck. People are freaking out a little bit. That, that guy is meeting some swift... He gets out. He was screaming, and why we can't hear them? Uh, Tries to put his hood on, fails. Immediately started screaming. I apologize for that. I didn't realize he was going to start screaming. Uh, oh God. He's carrying his pistol out in his right hand. Was coming straight down the street. Lola was going for the processes. Walking across a rainbow crosswalk. Oh my God. Oh shit. And just jogs off into into a crowd of people. So here's my question about this. Here's my question about this. This, this, always, this always baffles me when it comes to shit like this. 
and maybe this is just me because I have a knowledge of guns and I, I shoot guns and I own guns and, and all that kind of fun stuff. Now the gun he has is a, a, a pistol with a extended magazine. That's probably the dangerous gun you can have in a situation like this in a crowd, uh, because it's small, it's compact, um, depending on the caliber, pretty fucking deadly. Um, the guy who he shot is okay. He got shot in the arm. There was a GoFundMe for his, um, for his medical bills, which I think is amazing. But if I was, I just, I want to think, and maybe I'm naive in thinking this, but I want to think if I was in that situation, if I was there, I would have fucked that dude up. Like you can't just let that guy jog off into a crowd of people. Like, what are we doing here? There's so many of you and there's one of him. He can't shoot that many people. Once somebody gets a hand on a pistol, like you just don't have that much leverage holding a gun. If somebody gets their hand on top of it, pushes it down, um, especially if there's a bunch of people trying to grab onto you, grabbing onto your arms. When that happens, you got to charge the motherfucker. You got to get after him. You can't just sit here and be like, oh, we're going to all back up and freak out. Like that's the response. And I think especially when it comes to people like, like these shootings where there's someone with like a, you know, the most notorious gun out there for whatever reason, AR-15, it's like that thing's long. Um, it has a very rapid rate of fire. I understand that. And it has a high capacity. But I just feel like the safest thing to do is charge a motherfucker. Like as a group. He can't shoot everybody. And if you get shot once, you probably won't die. But I mean, I know that's like not the, not the way you want to go about thinking about any of this stuff. But with that response, if he decided he wanted to get out there and start shooting people, lots of people would have gotten hurt. But if two or three or four people decide to step up and do something about it, well, then you got a better shot. You got a better shot at, at, at saving people around you. And I wish that was the mentality more often. Um, I know this is not something we should should deal with or should want to deal with, but when there's something like this, I just can't imagine that I wouldn't have fucked this dude up. At least tried. Uh, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a weird, it's a weird deal. It's a weird thing to like think about. Well, what would you do? And of course, I'm gonna think like, oh, I would, I would be the fucking hero. That's not really what this is about, though. I think even if it's three or four small people or or something like that, you you got a you got a way you got a better shot at, of keeping people safe. Uh, if that's, if that's the situation that you're in, that's what I've always thought. Of course, I've never been in that kind of scenario. Um, but it seems to me that especially when he's in a car like that, he's getting, he's, he was just so vulnerable to being, being swarmed by this crowd. That's what I think the move would have been, but nonetheless, really interesting development and super glad that that dude that he shot is okay. Not cool. Now, with all this going on, everything that's happening, the riots, the protests, um, the stats coming out, the, the, the partisanship, the arguing, there have been a lot of calls for a lot of different things, a lot of calls for change. And what I've loved about this is that over time, it kind of came, we kind of came into this thing with chaos, right? It's like, we know this isn't cool. The, the George Floyd situation was atrocious and everybody's upset. But what does that mean? Do we turn that into something tangible? Do we turn it into something real? What can actually be done? Can we identify and explain the problem really accurately, really clearly? That's important, okay? So when we think about the, the whole situation, what's, what's going on right now, there's been a lot of things. And, and you see, you know, I saw a lot of stuff that really discouraged me, like all cops are bastards and, and fuck 12 and all this other stuff. Like there was a lot of stuff that I was like, man, that's just... 
I feel like what was happening in, in some areas of the, of the protest was an overextension of the argument. And I've talked about this on the show before. When you overextend your argument, you leave yourself vulnerable to people like Candace Owens, who we're going to talk about later in the show, and um, other essentially opposing viewpoints to easily dismantle what you're talking about, right? Because it's very clear that not all cops are bad people. Okay, the system isn't necessarily great, and we're going to get into that later on in the show as well, but that narrative doesn't do us any favors, and it doesn't, it doesn't buy us the support of the masses. Because you got to think there's radicals out there, right? There's people that are like super far left, and they're like, we want you know, all this change and all these things, but you've got to have majority support in order to do, to do that. You've got to have people like our parents, right, that are just hanging out, not really affected by this by at all, wouldn't have even known about it if it wasn't for the protest. And they need to get on board with this, right? So they see the video, they get upset. And then it's like, well, no, not all cops are bad. Like the guy that lives down the street's a cop. Like that's not going to resonate with people. And it's just frankly untrue. And I'm not going to support that. I mean, fuck, my girlfriend got attacked for posting a video of a cop being nice. It's like, well, that's a, the majority of cops aren't bad people. But you also have to think about the types of people who pursue careers in which power is given without, without really having earned it, right? So becoming a cop is not a hard thing to do necessarily. I think it's 480 hours of training. Um, you got to do a couple pull-ups, like whatever, and then, okay, here's a gun. Yeah, so you essentially have power, but you haven't really earned it. And that's a dangerous situation to be in for anybody. It's a dangerous situation psychologically to be in. Right, so we have to we have to understand that as well. We have to also understand that a lot of police officers that are in some of the most challenging neighborhoods see the worst of people all the time. Okay, they're seeing the worst of people. They're seeing people murdered, raped, you know, kids being abused, overdoses, suicides. Like they're just seeing the worst of people all the time. And I think that 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 weighs heavy on a person, and they start to lose connection with humanity. So I think addressing that, that mental health issue is vitally important, vitally important. And we're going to get into a little bit more of this as we go along, but one thing I wanted to speak about on this, uh, as we're talking about this topic, is the call to defund police. Now we've seen this a bunch, we've seen lots of signs, defund police, defund police. But one thing, when I first saw that I had this knee-jerk reaction, like that's a terrible idea, right? I even tweeted about it, like, I just don't think it's a good idea. And maybe... What it's getting at, I believe, is a good idea, which is what, with more investigation, I did a little research, and I'm like, okay, wait, I'm on board with this, and we're going to get into some of the policy changes, of course, but my knee-jerk reaction was, what? No, right? And I want to be honest about that because I have changed my view, but I want, I want to think that somebody who's you know a left-leaning independent, as myself, immediately had that reaction, I'm super willing to change my mind. Now, the kind of people that you need on your side for this are not, okay? They're Fox News watchers, they're MSNBC watchers. I mean, the MSNBC watchers are going to be kind of progressive-ish anyways. But the people that you need to make this a real movement need to be able to resonate with the message. So as far as from a marketing standpoint, not, not a great message, but what we're getting at here I think has a lot of value and has fucking legs, Okay, now, defunding and dismantling police, it has been done, it has worked, okay? And that's, that's 
in Camden, New Jersey. They dismantled their police off. They dismantled their um, their police force, and you had to reapply for your job. Now, in somewhere like Minneapolis, that's probably what's going to happen, and that probably makes the most sense, given the fact that they have atrocious statistics when it comes to the way they use force. Okay, I mean, just think about Derek Chauvin getting 18 complaints of excessive force before killing George Floyd with very little rep, rep, uh, being reprimanded very little in that time. Okay, so there's something to be said for that in the way that that system is working for them. Um, now, when you think about what Trump had to say about this, and I want you to think about this because the right does this, and we're going to get into this a bunch in this show. We're going to talk about how the right loves to do this, loves to use statistics that are in their favor. Now, Trump said, this year has been the lowest crime numbers in our country's recorded history. Now the radical left Democrats want to defund and abandon our police. Sorry, I want law and order. Now, while the this year may have the lowest crime numbers in our country's history, that may be true. We also haven't left our fucking houses very much this year. I don't know if you remember this. People have seemed to have forgotten about it, but COVID-19 was a thing, is a thing has been happening. Of course, that's going to bring crime rates down. Okay? Even if it's just because cops aren't as willing to interact with other people. Right? There's a lot of factors that go into this year having low crime rates, and it doesn't have anything to do with the Trump presidency. It doesn't have anything to do with police goals being met. It has nothing to do with anything besides coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. So I want to point something out here. This call for law and order has not really worked out well for us. Any of us, really. White, black, whatever. High income, low income. It's not really any president who's called for law and order. Nixon, Reagan, Clinton. It is decimated black communities every fucking time. And in the case of Nixon, was intended to do so. So these, these, these calls for law and order from the executive branch are following a president in Nixon who, one, resigned after he was impeached, and two, wanted to use drug laws to attack leftists and black people because he couldn't make it illegal to be black or liberal, but he could villainize them every night on the nightly news with marijuana and heroin starting the war on drugs that was then picked up by Reagan and then reinforced by Clinton. This has been a problem in our culture. Our drug laws are a fucking joke. So whenever I hear a president say, I'm the law and order president, I immediately think, oh no, this is a terrible move. This is not going to work out for anybody. So what we think about here when we look at law and order, and defunding the police. We've got to really, as I said earlier, develop an understanding of what the actual problem is and be able to communicate it clearly. Okay? And now, I don't know what all of the problems are, but I can tell you right now, the war on drugs is a major one. Okay? That has increased incarceration by an astonishing amount and done nothing, nothing, nothing to slow down the drug trade. Okay? Now, I'm for decriminalization. 
across the board. I don't think addicts need to be punished for mental health issues. And make no mistake, that's what it is. I think if anybody needs to be punished for the drug crisis, it's the pharmaceutical companies that are responsible for things like Oxycontin, which kills way more people than cocaine every year. I mean, Oxycontin has killed two times as many people as coronavirus in the past handful of years. But we don't call it a, 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 an epidemic, but it very much is. And that's not that's only Oxycontin. That's not Oxycontin leading into heroin, leading into overdose, leading into death. Okay? That's Oxycontin alone. So we got to be really clear about this. I think that is a major, major, major issue. I also feel like another issue that we have here is that police are expected to do too many things. Things And we have them as a catch-all for solving society's problems when they're not trained to do that, their intention is not to do that, and it waters down their role. It makes it very ambiguous and very vague as to what the fuck these people are even supposed to be doing. They're dealing with homeless people. They're dealing with stray dogs. They're dealing with uh, welfare checks. Like, what, what, what are we doing here? That's not policing. So when we think about defunding the police, a lot of, a lot of what people are getting at here is redistributing the funds that go into the police department, which have grown exponentially, right? And the militarization of the police department and funneling that into things that make more sense. Maybe things that don't make sense for someone to show up to it with a gun to, right? Maybe someone's having a mental health crisis, right? Maybe someone's bipolar and they're having an episode. Someone with a gun in that scenario isn't helpful, but what do you do? You call the cops right? Having more specific outlets for people to call besides 911, right? That are more specific to what's going on with your emergency. That might be a little bit helpful to get some social workers in the, involved in this that have something to, that have some skill sets in talking someone out of an episode, right? It makes so much sense. We have them they're doing so many things. And then on top of that, we add quotas for the amount of tickets they need to give because they need to tax the public somehow. I mean, these speeding tickets that we get, unless they're egregious, are really just, they're just taxes to drive, right? Parking tickets, these other things, unless you're doing something stupid. Like, we don't need, that. that isn't necessary. It's just making money for the government, making money for the police department so they can then fund themselves, even though they get funded from the federal government, on top of that. It doesn't make any fucking sense. So when you dig a little deeper into the defund police narrative, you're like, okay, there's actually some stuff here. And that's when I want to get into this call from Campaign Zero. And I like what they did here because they made it very clear. Now, I'm not going to break down every single one of these 10 steps that they feel are important, but I do want to give you an overview because I think it's something that's very, it's worth talking about. Um, number one, end broken windows policing. Now, I didn't really know what broke, broken windows policing was, but it's essentially just fucking with people for doing stuff that's not harmful. Riding your bike on the sidewalk, looking suspicious, drinking alcohol on the street, spitting, jaywalking, just dumb shit, right? So what they have here is, in 2014, police killed at least 287 people who were involved in minor offenses and harmless activities like sleeping in parks, possessing drugs, looking suspicious, or having a mental health crisis. And what you're going to see here is this common narrative that drug possession is not a violent crime, Okay. So I think that's a fantastic start. Now, community oversight. 
love this as well. Having a community, that's one thing that's really been challenging, I feel like, from the police standpoint, is that the people that are policing these neighborhoods don't live in these neighborhoods. So having some kind of community engagement in understanding the intentions of the police officers, when they overstep, where they need to intervene, that's vitally important. Limit use of force. Now, what they're talking about here in a lot of ways uh, is, is a very popular thing to call for right now, which is a, abolishing chokeholds. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't love that. I don't love abolishing chokeholds. Because when you think about the kind of physical combat, a chokehold is, an, is supposed to be a non-lethal way to subdue somebody. What I would like to see is police being required to take a certain amount of high-quality jiu-jitsu training, like real jiu-jitsu, where the goal isn't to fucking kill somebody, right? It's to gain control, right? If you grab a hold of someone's wrist and you're a, you're a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, like you can, you can get that person under control. And I think what happens here is that people don't understand how to use force properly, and a chokehold can be a really, really effective way to get somebody to calm the fuck down. Now, I've been choked unconscious against my will before. It's not fun. It was not appropriate in my situation. Um, but it happens when you get jumped in a bar sometimes. Let's just be real. It's terrifying. But that being said, if done properly, and especially if it's not taken to the point of unconsciousness, and that's something you can very clearly tell when you're choking somebody out, right? When you got somebody in some kind of chokehold, you can know when they when they go unconscious. The shadow side of that is when you, someone's in a chokehold, they're going to freak the fuck out. So it's like there's a lot to be considered there, but having adequate training is something that cops just don't have. They don't have. And there's also just a level of fucking physical fitness these guys don't have either that I think some quality jujitsu, which some guys take uh, take their own take a, a own responsibility for. I think that's great. But limiting use of force generally as a as a as a as a broad statement, as a broad intention, fantastic. One million percent with that. I think force brings force, and I just I think there's de-escalation is the most valuable tool that a police officer can have. Now, number four, independently investigate and prosecute. This is important because police unions jump in the way of this all the time. Police unions make it so hard to police the police. And make no mistake, that's a very important thing that we have to do. You have to police power, and we are not very good at that as a society, but it's showing now. Okay, so... Being able to investigate and prosecute police officers without them being able to block that with these police unions. Now, unions have a very valuable place in our society. They represent workers across the board, right? Whether it's teachers unions or labor unions, like these are really important. All right. I mean, it's important for the guys working at the fucking steel mill to be able to, to negotiate for these are the guys that negotiated for people having weekends off. Like unions are responsible for that. They have a role, but when it comes to government officials, I just don't, and that's essentially what police officers are, it, 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 the public service workers, I just don't, I can't, the, the, the power of the unions has to be limited. And maybe it's negotiating for health insurance or raises or whatever that is or better treatment. That could be important, but I think that, man, it, it it's it's a humongous problem to not be able to prosecute people who do who break the law. 
They're breaking the law with impunity, and that's, that's a problem. Community representation. Now, it says, while white men represent less than one-third of the U.S. population, they comprise about two-thirds of the U.S. police officers. The police should reflect and be responsive. God damn. The police should reflect and be responsive to the culture, racial, racial, and gender diversity of the communities they are supposed to serve. Moreover, research shows police departments with more black officers are less likely to kill black people. And I like that. I think that that's, I mean, there's some things there that could be criticized for sure. I can go into that, but I think the intentions there are strong. Body cams slash film the police. Yes, yes, yes. Like that's, if you're a good cop, you shouldn't want to, you shouldn't be fucking worried about this. Um, Training. And what they're talking about with training is, is training and de-escalation techniques. Uh, and refocusing there, probably increasing the amount of time that police need to be trained uh, to be appropriately trained to de-escalate as opposed to escalate situations where things can get out of control. End for-profit policing. Now, this is very interesting. Interest, interesting. Police should be working to keep people safe, not contributing to a system that profits from stopping, searching, ticketing, arresting, and incarcerating people. That attacks the quota, right? Those little $200 tickets here and there... Getting, you know, a PI for walking down the street after you've been at a bar, like shit like that. That is that's just that's just that's just profit. That's what that's that's what it is. that's not about public safety. That's profit. Now DUIs, maybe not, but DUIs do make do make cities a lot of money. But um yeah, I think that's a, that's that's profit should not be the motivator in giving people tickets or arresting people. Or searching people, searching people's fucking property. Like that's just not that shouldn't be that should not be the intention. Number nine, demilitarization. We've talked about that a ton. What you may not know is that police get a lot of surplus military equipment. You're seeing it used right now all over the place. <sighs> Armored cars, fucking just ridiculous shit. And they want to play with their new toys, and that's what they're doing. And it's been pretty um atrocious to watch. And then fair police union contracts, which we talked about a little bit earlier when it comes down to independently investigating and prosecuting. I like all 10 of those. To break it back down one more time, one, in broken windows policing, two, community oversight, three, limit use of force, four, independently investigate and prosecute, five, community representation, six, body cams, seven, training, eight, end for-profit policing, nine, demilitarization, 10, fair police union Contracts now doesn't that seem to make just so much fucking sense? Because it communicates the problem clearly, and it provides responsible and adequate solutions to said problems. I love it. I'm with it. Don't like the mantra, like I said. Don't like the marketing of it, but it has merit. Investigate it. Don't take it for what's on the surface. It's not very clearly communicated. It is kind of confusing, but it's very much worth looking into. And now, it's time for the heavy part of the show. We're going to talk about Candace Owens. So this video is about, I don't know, a few days old now. Candace Owens um, put this out on Facebook, knowing it would go viral, and it did go viral. And now, if you don't know Candace Owens, she's from Turning Point USA with... (laughs) Another uh, person that's brought up on the show pretty often, Charlie Kirk. 
Um, they're kind of the little tag team duo of Turning Point USA. Now, I've known of Candace Owens for a little while now, not too long. Uh, don't necessarily like her. Don't necessarily agree with her. Uh, long before George Floyd, I was already like uh, kind of cringing at this woman. But um, what I'm aiming to do here, and this is something that was really, I was conflicted about this, and I actually tried to avoid it. I tried to avoid it because it, it just, it's like beating my head against a wall sometimes. And you're going to hear, and you hear this from the right all the time, I talked about it a little earlier, data, 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 data. I understand the need and the call for data. I understand it. But you also have to understand that subjective experience at scale is data as well. If that wasn't the case, we would have zero studies on depression, right? That's subjective experience at scale. And those studies are valid. So the experiences people have at scale are valid data points and should be considered. Now, the analogy that I like to draw when it comes to this, and I'm going to talk about this more in future shows, but say there's a wall, right? There's a wall and you say, okay, well, that wall is 15 feet long and nine feet high. There you go. You described the wall. You gave me some data. Maybe it's a foot and a half thick. You have a wall. Does that tell the whole story of the wall? Does it at all? Does it say, well, why is the wall there? What's the wall made of? Who made the wall? It doesn't answer any of those questions. Over-reliance on data limits curiosity. It, it, it stifles investigation. And it doesn't allow you to really paint a full picture. Because if I was to describe, describe you as your physical features, I wouldn't really be describing you as a person. There's more there, right? There's more going on there. Now, what Candace does in this video is she brings up all of George's uh, prior charges spanning from 2000 or 1998 to about 2005, 2006. Um, now, I want you to keep in mind that was 14, 15 years ago. Um, and we'll talk about what the charges are. One is really hard to listen to it. I'm, I, I, like I said earlier, I don't want to cherry pick pieces out of this. I think it's worth playing the whole thing. I don't want to cherry pick and dismantle. That's not what I'm doing here. That's not the kind of person I want to be. That don't, do, do not feel integrity. I do not feel integrity in doing that. So we're going to play the whole thing. It's going to take a while, but you guys asked for it. <laughs> here it is. Um, let's go ahead and dive into it. Hello, Facebook family. Um, I have decided to do this video. It has been weighing very heavily on my heart um, and on my mind as well. And it was something that I wanted to say early on, but there were so many emotions and so much pressure um, for me to go with the popular opinion about who George Floyd was. Um, and sometimes it can be difficult when there are just so many external pressures to say what you believe. And this was an instance where I felt like my silence would have been better in the beginning. But the more that I think about it, I realize that we are being sold a lot of lies and at the detriment to the black community, at the detriment to the white community, and at the detriment to America as a whole. So. I um, want to come out and say uh, that I do not support George Floyd and the media depiction of him as a martyr for black America. I'm going to explain why, and I hope that some of you guys will understand where I'm coming from. Um so she frames this very interestingly, and I think that 
she makes a lot of assumptions and, and some hyperbolic statements, of course, about who everyone believes that George Floyd was and how we all view him, right? So she's now putting everybody who's in support of Black Lives Matter or any of you know any type of movement similar to this into a box. She's saying, all right, you guys think this, and here's why you're stupid. And she kind of says everything besides, you know, as this goes on, like she didn't quite say he deserved it, but everything but. Um, so we're going to get into the details now. Um, I have spent a considerable amount of time reading a lot um, of black authors that I think are some of the most brilliant black Americans breathing. Um, Walter Williams, Shelby Steele, Thomas Sowell. And I recently came across something that was an idea that was planted into my head by Shelby Steele. And it has been something that I cannot um, forget. It is something that will stick with me for the rest of my life. And it is something that I hope for the black Americans that are watching will stick with you for the rest of your life. Shelby Steele said that the black community is unique from other communities. Um, our, our culture is unique from other communities um, because we are the only community that caters to the bottom denominator of our society. Now, let me explain what that means. Um, it means to say that not every black American is a criminal, not every black American is committing crimes, but we are unique in that we are the only people that fight and scream and demand support and justice for the people in our community that are up to no good. You would be hard pressed to find. Okay, we gotta jump in here. And this is, this is, this is one of the statements that really sets me off, okay? So she says that black, black Americans are the only um, demographic that caters to their lowest common denominator. And then she also connects the lowest common denominator with people that are committing crime. Now, I believe that the Black Lives Matter movement is much more than that. This has so much more to do than just cops killing unarmed black men. That's not it. That's not all there is to this, okay? Now, saying that the black community caters to its lowest common denominator, I believe that is a strength of the black community. I think we can all learn something from how the black community represents their own in this way. And I don't, when I say lowest common denominator, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to connect people that are poor with criminals. I'm not going to put them all in one box. Because when you think lowest common denominator, you think low income. Think disadvantaged. And yeah, you know what? She is right. The white community is way too quick to turn a blind eye to their disadvantaged people. I think that we can look at this and say, that is a strength of the black community that we can all adopt. We can look at the lowest common denominator within our society and ask ourselves, why? Why is this a thing? What can we do to change it? How can we re represent these people in a way that makes sense, in a way that can provide them an opportunity, which is what this fucking country was founded on in the first place? Opportunity and freedom. Now, while people who wrote those documents were slave owners, I understand the contradiction there. I still think we could look at this and say, how can we provide more opportunity and more freedom to our lowest common denominators who are by no means free and do not have opportunities just falling in their fucking laps? I, maybe, I'm an, maybe I'm an apologist for criminals or people who are, 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 are disadvantaged. 
But I don't think that representing those people with your actions, with your movements, with your protests, with your words, with your intentions, I don't think that is a weakness of the black community. I think that is a strength. And I think that if we can look at the interdependence that is required for this American experiment to continue in a positive way, there's so much interdependence. We like to look at the best and the brightest and hold them to some different standard and praise them for all they, they've done in the world. But we all too often forget the guy who fucking fixes our car, the person who cuts our hair, the person at the convenience store, or these people that make things go, and the sanitation workers. They're just fucking pe- They're just people. They're throwaways. And that's not the case. We are interdependent upon each other, and we need to fucking act like it. And it seems to me like the only community that does that is the black community. So maybe there's a lesson for all of us to learn from the way that the black community is representing themselves right now. And looking at their lowest common denominator and not settling for what they've been told they could or should be. This is fucking bullshit. It's bullshit. Now, she can sit on her high horse and she can be like the token black Republican that likes to spout this off. And the reason this video got sent to me so many fucking times, by the way, is because a bunch of white people were sent it to a bunch of white liberals. That's where this is. Because the white people that were like disagreeing with this and, and holding back were like, oh my God, a black person said what I was thinking this whole time. I can share it on Facebook now. Shut the fuck up. Representing the lowest common denominator within your group, whatever that group is, isn't a powerful thing to do. It shows you fucking care. It shows you're curious and you want to investigate the deeper issues. It's what's going on because you're not scared to ask why. Now, when you ask why, you might find some uncomfortable things in that. But that's okay. That's good. That's learning. That's moving. That's progress. Progress isn't a greater GDP. Progress is a greater understanding as a fucking nation. And the black community right now is representing themselves so fucking well. I personally am proud of them. Candace can shame them all she wants. That's not how I'm going to go about doing this. Look at the lowest lowest common denominator within your community. Look at the lowest common denominator within your community and ask yourself, why? Does it need to be this way? What got us to here? And what can we do about it going forward? That's somebody who's hungry for progress, not hungry for the status quo. Um, you know, a Jewish person who has spent five stints in prison, uh, who commits a crime and dies while committing a crime, and that the Jewish people champion and demand justice for. You will be hard-pressed to find this in white America. You'll be hard-pressed to find this even in Latino America. Uh, if there is a person that is spent multiple times in prison, you are not going to see a bunch of Latinos coming out um, demanding justice for this person, even if, and I want to be very clear, what I'm saying is not any defense for Derek Chauvin. I hope Derek Chauvin gets the justice that, um, that he deserves to be um, you know, implemented upon him and that the family um, of George Floyd deserves justice for the way that he, that he died. Um, but I also am not going to accept the narrative that this is the best the black community has to offer. For whatever reason, it has become fast over the last uh, five or six years for us to turn criminals into heroes overnight. Okay. I don't really, I don't, I, don't, I just can't get on board with this. This is, this is the thing they want to, they, they, they stroke off data. Like it's their, like it's their, like their Messiah is data. Criminals to heroes. Like I don't, you know, George Floyd represents a lot. He represents real people 
in those communities. Real people. He's a very there's 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 millions so similar to him. That's what makes this situation so sad. That does not mean he was a hero. He represents something much bigger than himself. And he died and created a movement. He didn't do it intentionally. That wasn't what he woke up that day to do. So I can't really say he's a hero per se. And I don't think a lot of people would even put him in the class of hero. But he represents so much. He represents the reality of that community so well. Even down to his criminal record. But you got to ask yourself, why? So this, see what she's doing here and making anybody who feels compassion, feels strongly, she wants them to feel small for making a criminal into a hero, which then associates you with criminality. That's what, she, that's, that's what she's getting at here. She wants you to feel guilty for wanting change. And that's how we maintain things exactly how the fuck they are. Um, and it is something that I find to be despicable and it's something that I refuse to stand by any longer and I'm not going to play a part in it no matter how much pressure comes from black liberals and black conservatives as, as some token of people wanting you to believe that this is the only way you can be black is you have to say this was wrong and that this, you know, this person was amazing. I won't do that. Uh, George. She kind of slipped there a little bit and said, oh, you had to say this is wrong. Of course, this is fucking wrong. <laughs> Oh, you slipped up, Candace. I, I don't know. I mean, I think it, you don't have to be black to think that this was wrong. I'm not black. I think this was fucking terrible and very wrong. So I think that may have been a Freudian slip, Candace. Floyd was not an amazing person. Um, and as soon as this video hit the internet, I did just basic searches. Uh, everyone jumped on it and called and, and was looking at the police officer and everyone agrees that the police officer was wrong and the police officer has been arrested. Um, so that is not, the reason I'm not discussing that is because that is not something that has been misconstrued in the media. Uh, he has been turned into the devil that he is and there is no reason for us to harp on that any longer because white Americans are not uplifting Derek Chauvin as a victim or pretending that he's an amazing human being. But George Floyd is being uplifted as an amazing human being. Um, and uh, for those of you who have not yet seen the clips and did not pursue or wait for more clips to come out, uh, first and foremost, George Floyd at the time of his arrest was high on fentanyl and he was high on methamphetamine. Uh, this came back in both of his autopsy reports. Uh, if you pursue the 911 transcript, you can see the person describing somebody who is out of their mind high, um, and which is what made the person fearful because he tried to, you know, to, uh, use a, a, a bill that I guess was a fake bill to purchase something and then he was outside acting weird and they in their police call said that this person was obviously distorted and on drugs. Okay, so she's just reinforcing this right wing narrative that people who use drugs are criminals. I mean, I guess they're criminals because of these fucking ridiculous laws, but that they're villains. She wants people like if you use drugs, you're now a villain and if you fucking die, well, <laughs> shouldn't have been doing drugs. Yeah, that's it's that simple, Candace. I re, yeah, really. That, that that's that's exactly how it how it should go, right? Okay. Uh, when he is put into handcuffs and is put against the wall, a baggie of what looks to be like uh, cocaine or uh, some it's it's white. It's a white baggie that <laughs> I like how Candace Owens. <laughs> She's like, it might be cocaine. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, uh, you don't know. You know what the fuck cocaine looks like, Candace? Give me a fucking break. Okay, it might be cocaine. It might be in some. It's a white powder. I don't know. Uh, it could have been. 
Cocaine is the, is the most popular upper class fucking party drug available to any of us. Okay? Like cocaine is not a foreign substance. It, 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 you playing this naive child is is not does not suit you well. Act like a fucking grown up. That he drops onto the floor that you can see in an image. If you look up the clip, the media is refusing to circulate it. You can find it on Twitter. If you if you use DuckDuckGo and look up um, George Floyd baggy, uh, you can watch the clip yourself with your own eyes. Uh, he had drugs on him at the time of his arrest. Um, now, barring all of that, nobody thinks that he should have died during the sur- Drugs and possession of drugs are not a violent crime. Rest, but what I find despicable to be is that everyone is pretending that this man lived a heroic lifestyle when he didn't. And I want to talk about what his lifestyle was um, leading up to this moment and why I refuse to accept the narrative that this person is is a martyr or, or should be lifted up in the black community and that we should be buying T-shirts uh, with his name on it. OK, so here we have first and foremost, let's start from the bottom of his record. And by the way, I am not saying that if you have a record, you don't deserve a second chance. I think people get arrested. Um, and some people can serve time in prison, and I believe in second chances, but I do draw the line when it comes to uh, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, ch- and ninth chances. 1998, he spent uh, 10 months in prison for theft with a firearm. Uh, that was the first prison stint that I could find on him. So 1998, he probably would have been in his early 20s. Just fucked up. Who knows? And I don't know that much about this guy's background. I know he's from Houston. Um, again, why? Why the dude end up there? What was going on in his life? Where society kind of failed to give this dude some structure, some opportunities. That's what I look at when I look at crime. Across the board, and some of these are really fucking hard. One in particular is very hard to hear. But, Why? In 2002, he spent eight months in prison for a cocaine offense. In 2004, just two years later, he spent another 10 months in prison for a cocaine offense. In 2005, he spent another 10 months in prison for having um, less than one gram of cocaine on him again. Less than one gram of cocaine should not be a crime. And here's the thing. People don't want to talk about this. This doesn't get like put out there that often because it's like, oh, it's cocaine. It's Pablo Escobar. Cocaine is basically legal legal if you can afford bottle service and you're white. If you go to a club, go to any club in any in any anywhere in the country, right? And look at that elevated bottle service area and see how many people are turn it turn the turn the nose down. Yeah. That's cocaine. It's fucking everywhere. And it is discriminated against disproportionately in black communities. It's real. This is not, uh, this is this. maybe I don't have, you know what? I, maybe I don't have data on everybody who's putting fucking cocaine in their nose at the fucking club over there. And how many people are arrested for cocaine versus how many white people are arrested for cocaine. But I will tell you that these cocaine offenses are fucking silly. All right. You get less than a gram of cocaine. Dude, I understand that cocaine comes from dangerous places and people are harmed in the production and cartels. I understand all of that. I do. But these don't do, these charges don't do anybody any good. You can see the recidivism right here is atrocious. Not to mention he had, looks like he had blow on him whenever he got arrested. So there's a bigger problem here. 
And to paint George Floyd as a problem child isn't really solving any fucking problems. It's just belittling a movement. Um, in 2007, and this was the biggest instant um, uh, that I had that made me realize this was a horrible human being that I would, I, I am not going to pretend was a good person. In 2005, a woman who was pregnant uh, received a knock at the door um, and she went to the door and the person pretended to be someone that worked um, for the water department. So she opened her door and quickly realized that the person at her door did not work for the water department and attempted to slam it. Um, at the moment that she was attempting to slam it, a Ford pulled up and another five men jumped out of the car, and one of which was George Floyd, came up to the door and they forced their way inside to her home, uh, inside of her home. Um, mind you, this woman is pregnant. At that point, uh, George Floyd took out a gun and pressed it to her stomach. Um, at, at, she was screaming, begging for her life, and, uh, and he put her inside of her living room and instructed one of his criminal friends that was with him uh, to watch her and to make sure she didn't leave the living room. So he was playing guard while they ransacked her home looking for drugs and money. They did not find um, drugs. They ended up taking, I believe, her wallet and her cell phone. Fortunately for her, her neighbor um, observed what was going on and caught the license plate of the people as they pulled off and called 911. And when 911 was able to, um, they were able to track down the car uh, of which uh, George Floyd was the driver, um, and they arrested him. And two years later, he was sentenced to five years in prison um, for that instance. Um, now, you can say... Now, that's that's atrocious. That's atrocious. That's a, that's a really terrible crime. Now, five years for that? It doesn't seem like that harsh of a sentence for that, for that type of crime. And that maybe there's more there. I don't know how Candace knows all of this stuff or, or where she's coming up with this shit. But regardless, that's fucking terrible. And it was also 15 years ago. Okay, so you got to keep in mind that Derek Chauvin didn't know any of this when he killed the dude. All right, so it's just, yes, that's a despicable crime. I don't condone it. I don't like it. I'm not going to defend it. But what you're trying to do is bel is belittle a movement that's impacted a lot of people's lives. Let's continue. Uh, the media is portraying it like he was just getting his life together after, you know, being released in 2014 following that incident. Uh, he was just getting his life together and, and moved and was going to start afresh. I'd like to believe all of those things. And there is a gap and he never got in trouble for five years until this incident when the police were called on him again. Um, uh, but you are defying common sense to believe that this person suddenly became an exemplary character, but happened to be high on fentanyl and methamphetamine um, and, and trying to use a bill. Just because you're a drug addict does not mean you're a terrible person. Um, uh, a fake bill to purchase something. And so in my opinion, uh, George Floyd was a criminal. <laughs> he was a criminal. And just because he was a criminal doesn't mean he deserved to die at the knee of a police officer. But it does mean that I... But it kind of does with the tone that you're taking. Like, It's like, well, no offense, but go fuck yourself. Like, that's, that's one how I feel about you. And two... That's what you're fucking saying. Like, it's like you're saying it and then you're like, oh, but I'm not saying it. But you are saying it. I am not going to play a part of the broken black culture that 
always wants to martyr criminals, who wants to pretend they were these upstanding human beings that just wanted to help society, uh, that just wanted to reach out um, and, and uplift society. And we're, he has a rap sheet that is long, that is dangerous. He was an example of a violent criminal his entire life. Okay, up until the very last moment. Now, again, I want to be clear. This is not a defense for Derek Chauvin. Okay, up until the very last moment. Here's the thing. He was not a violent criminal up until his very last moment. The last violent crime that he was convicted of was 15 years ago. Okay? 15 years ago. So, possessing drugs is not a violent crime. Passing counterfeit 20s is not a violent crime. Being high is not a violent crime. That is a fucking bullshit. That is a misplaced narrative. That is unfair. No one in, that I have spoken to, no one in the news is defending Jarek Chauvin. He is getting what he has coming to him. Okay, great. But why are we pretending that this criminal should be upheld as a citizen, uh, a, 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 of a, as a martyr in black America? A martyr for a fake narrative, by the way. Police brutality, racially motivated police brutality is a myth, okay? So let's get into that. Not only are we using this death, right, and allowing it to cause these riots and protests, pretending this was some upstanding citizen in the black community who was tackled down um, and, and killed for no reason, right? Not only are we allowing it to inspire riots, riots in which black people are dying, in which actual upstanding black citizens are dying. Case in point, I'm sure you guys have all now seen uh, David, uh, the, the sheriff that just was shot and killed uh, because he was trying to protect uh, a a pawn shop please look him up if you haven't seen it i'm blanking on his last name his first name is david um who was shot and killed for trying to protect a pawn shop from looters an upstanding citizen an actual head of a police he was the head of a police his entire life 77 years old did everything right right so we now have to kill upstanding black citizens because a non-upstanding black citizen a career black criminal died now did he deserve to die in that manner no I can't say it enough. No, he didn't deserve to die in that manner. But I will be damned if the rest of us upstanding black citizens have to suffer because of this incident that rarely ever happens in America. So here are some numbers for you people that are still believing that police brutality is a real, racially motivated police brutality is a real thing. First and foremost, okay, you have a 25% higher chance as a violent white criminal of dying at the hands of a police officer than you do as a black. So this is, this is a skewed statistic here. Uh, I just want to point this out. Um, the way she's using the word violent is not accurate. Uh, she's kind of cherry picking when, when just like blanket statements of, I mean, she's not cherry picking. She's doing the complete opposite. Actually. She's just blanketing violent on any crime. I don't know what the stat is. She couldn't find this statistic that she's talking about, but it seems to be different because you're two times 2.5 times more likely to get killed by the police as a black man than a white man. Um, so wherever, I, I don't know what violent crime she's talking about. I mean, I've, I've seen what, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, white people shoot up schools, churches, whatever, and get arrested peacefully. So I don't know. That's just my, that's my thought from what I've, what I've noticed. Um, but I don't know where this stat comes from, and you got to be really cautious and, and have some discernment on when she uses the word violent. 
criminal. Last year, a total of nine unarmed black, black men were killed by police officers and 19 white men were killed by police officers. For those of you that aren't good at mathematics, right, you might be thinking, oh, but Candace, white people represent 60% of the population and black people represent just 13% of the population. It doesn't matter what percentage of the population you represent. It matters what percentage of the violent criminal community you represent. And Okay, so she does kind of, um, she takes this, and I, I wanted to run the numbers real quick. So uh, white people make up around 60 to 70% of the population. 13% um, of the population is black. So that's a 5.4x difference. So if you multiply nine, which is the number of black men who got killed, by the difference between that and the population compared to white people, that's nine times 5.4. That's 48.6. So 19 unarmed white men were killed, nine black men. Um, to make that even, it would be nine and 48.6 to make that a one-to-one -one, uh, based on demographics. Unfortunately, black community create uh, um, commits a disproportionate amount of crimes compared to the white community. Let me tell you, 6% of the population, right, black men, 6% of the population account for 44% of all murders in this country, according to 2018 statistics. That's disproportionately skewed by gang violence. What they would call black on black crime. And they stop the statistics there and they don't ask why. Why? Why is that the case? That is what you call a gap. And yet white people, white people who represent 60% of the population, we represent 13, uh, black men are 6%, uh, only, uh, represent 50% of all the murders, right? That makes no sense. That, that makes no It makes total sense. It makes total sense. Because systemic racism is a fucking issue. Black people have not been given the time or the space to come up economically in this world. You want to fucking look at stats? Go back to Black Wall Street outside of Tulsa. They got burnt to the fucking ground in the 20s. What was the, the highest concentration of black wealth in the country? Because they were allegedly sleeping with white women. Now, first off, I think there's probably some stats there on white men, white men back in the 20s not being able to satisfy their women. That'd be pretty funny to, 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 to see those stats. And second, think about the, the impact of that community, that black Wall Street community in southern fucking Oklahoma would have done in the, in the hundred years since then. Think about what the impact that would have had. And that's not the only case of black people getting fucking murdered and their communities being burned to the ground for being successful. That was a thing that was common. And the reason that white people have such a disproportionate amount of wealth is because people like the fucking Rockefellers, right? They had their time. They had their, they get to, they get to create this massive amount of wealth and put that wherever the fuck they wanted to. Now I don't think the Rockefellers are necessarily good people. I'm not getting into that, but what I'm saying is it takes time to make old money. Old money is powerful money. New money is not powerful. Old oil money can do way more than fucking Facebook money. And there's just something to be said for that. And black people have not had the time culturally because they weren't even able to be to make these moves until the fucking there was fucking race riots in the 60 in the late 60s in the summer of love in 67. That was going on. It takes time to bring communities up. It takes fucking time 
And she used Jewish communities earlier too. A lot of Jewish communities were were built pre-Holocaust in the United States beforehand. And we're making moves. And black people couldn't pull that off at that same time. That's why there's such a strong economic representation in the Jewish community. So there's something to be said here about like just not having the time and the space to fucking breathe and grow and develop. Because it wasn't till the in the fucking 80s, man. The 80s. That's 40 years ago. And you expect those communities to have been just, 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 oh, you're free now, so let's figure this out. Are you fucking serious? That makes no sense. No sense. People turn to crime at a desperation. You don't go, huh, I'm going to be a criminal or I'm going to go to college. Like, how many people do that? Let's see the stats on that, Candace. Criminal college, potential jail time. A college degree. You think it's the fucking conversation going on in people's heads? No, absolutely not. Let's be fucking honest with what's happened here because this lack of honesty and lack of responsibility and lack of ownership is only perpetuating the, per- the problem further. We teach bullshit history in schools and we perpetuate these narratives that it's, oh, it's, it's, it's the black community's fault they haven't, they haven't really come up yet. Give me a fucking break the fuck is wrong with you that's not how this goes black people have been punished for being successful up until just recently and if you can't tell me that you don't notice that your your grandparents have a visceral response to black people being more successful than them if you if you fucking if your grandparents don't feel that way you're lucky because that is not a common response no sense a six point variation in a community where we are we are extreme minorities we commit 50 percent of all violent offenses evenly split and we're only 13 percent of the population okay so we have a lot more encounters with police officers and don't say the police officers are coming around because we're black i'm talking about violent criminals i'm talking about she's talking about people possessing drugs breaking bullshit laws that are now Violent criminals. You're, if you're, oh, if you're Candace Owens thinks if you're jaywalking, you're a violent criminal. If you've got weed on you in a state that hasn't legalized it yet, you're a violent criminal. You're doing a little coke, you're a violent criminal. You're addicted to fentanyl or meth, you're a violent criminal. That's what that's what she considers violent criminals. Murder. Forty four percent of murders. Okay. You want to talk Gang about violence. real statistics? The, the the police officers have way more to be fearful of in the black community than the other way around, okay? We commit, on average, a, a police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black person than the other way around, okay? So this entire narrative is complete smoke and mirrors. It's all made up. It's just election fodder. It's white versus black because it's an election year, not because black Americans are suffering at the hands of police officers more than white Americans. Do some police officers do the wrong thing? Yes. I don't think I want to address the the election fodder bit real quick. Yeah, a lot of this is. A lot of this is for politicians. It's election fodder. For the people that are in the streets and the people that are that are not out there for photo ops and the, and not influencers and just posing in front of fucking broken windows. This is much more than that. But yes, for politicians, I will agree. This is election fodder and they're just doing what they need to do to be on the right side of an issue for their constituents. And that's, that is what it is. And I'm sure some feel very strongly about this and that's fantastic. Um, but you can see how partisan it is. And so that to me just says like, well, I mean, aside from Mitt Romney getting out and doing the thing, like, holy shit, who, who saw that coming? But 
Yeah, this is so much of this is being politicized, and that's that's true. And it is an election year, and and it's being I think it's being stretched out, perpetuated because it is an election year, and it will go on longer than it would have because it's an election year, uh, and, and the left media kind of benefits from it. But also, you got to think that Candace Owens is just kind of pissed because her champion Donald Trump is not looking great right now. I think there's anybody in the world who has not encountered a police officer and thought this person is an absolute jerk who is power tripping, whether you are black or white. We know they exist and we know they're always going to exist, by the way, because they're human beings. And sometimes. But they they exist at a disproportionate rate because there's something about people that get off on carrying a gun around and telling people what to do that attract. It's like it's like moths to a flame, like douchebags to a fucking flame. And it's like I'm gonna get in here. I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna fucking pull people over. These kids were they picked on me in high school. I'm gonna show them. Like that's what we're dealing with here. Okay, it's a disproportionate number of cops are assholes. Let's just be fucking honest. And there's there's a lot of reasons that may be, but they may have just been assholes to begin with. And then sometimes if you're a fucking racist asshole a police officer is a great job for you because there's no shortage of things that you can fucking accuse black people of and just arrest the fuck out of them or be violent towards them with all the justification in the world and then you get protected by your union so this it's it's, it's a safe haven for racist fucking pieces of shit let's not call it, let's just call it what it is yes some cops cops are good lots of cops are good i think most cops are probably decent people but a lot of cops, I would say uh, higher than a representative of the population, right? There's a higher percentage of racist dickheads in the police force across the country than there is just racist assholes in general across the country. Sometimes human beings suck. In fact, if you want to attack a community yeah, sometimes for, human for beings do a, suck. You know, accidental slayings or brutality, <laughs> did you know that doctors accidentally kill a quarter of a million people every year because of mis- What? Are we, are we comparing, are we, we're comparing police shootings and police excessive use of force to people who are opening up fucking brains and hearts and spines. That's what we're doing now. That's, that's where you're going with this, Candace. Wow. Wow. Mistakes. Do you know that there's, there's been doctors that have been arrested for being serial killers that just. There have been way few doctor, way fewer doctors that were serial killers than there are racist cops who fucking. There's, there's less, I would say there's, I don't know, I don't know the stats on this, but I would bet everything I have that there are less doctors that have been convicted serial killers than there were black men killed by cops in the last year in the entirety of history. For killing people because they wanted to. Do we protest and so boycott stupid. doctors? So do we assume all doctors are horrible human beings because some doctors are? Or do we realize that society is not perfectible? People suck in every profession. It is no excuse to paint society with a... No, but we sue doctors for malpractice. That's what happens. You sue them for malpractice. But you can't do that with cops because the police union. Let's just skip over that, Candace, as if you don't fucking know that already broad brush it is certainly no excuse to accept a democrat narrative okay that black people are being disproportionately hunted down by police officers because of the color of their skin you want to know the best way to avoid not being not being brutalized by a police officer is to not is to is to limit the amount of encounters you need to have with them especially when it comes to violent crimes okay I am not going to stand for this God continual bottom-feeding narrative of us martyring people that have had five, six, seven stints in prison and then pretending they were upstanding heroes to our community. It's bullshit. You know what's bullshit? This woman has no... <laughs> she's disconnected from her own community. It's like... 
you don't you must just not have anyone in your family who's dealt with these issues right i mean i, I don't i don't and I, I, I thought i wanted to so bad just go back in her history and be like let me just rip this person apart for having like been hyper privileged and then becoming like the token black chick of the republicans but i, did, I didn't want to do that i didn't want to do a character assassination but that's just so fucking abundantly clear that you have zero experience dealing with these kind of issues I'm a hyper-privileged fucking white dude, and I have experience with these issues. I have compassion for these issues. I know addicts. I have people in my family that are addicted, and it sucks, and it's a mental health issue, and I love them, and I wish it would get better, and it's fucking hard. But to, 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 to sit here and draw the narrative that, well, they kind of deserve to die if it happens. <laughs> like, that's such a cunty thing to do. It's bullshit. Excuse my language. It's absolute bullshit. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of having to play pretend. I'm tired of sitting here and being called a coon or an Uncle Tom because I won't play this bottom feeding game with you. If you want to hang up posters of criminals on your wall and talk about them as your martyrs, do it. Do it. You can do it. Kobe Bryant was my idol. Okay, I'll keep a photo. I'll keep a photo of Kobe Bryant. You can keep one of George Floyd and pretend he was an upstanding human being that just once or twice put a gun across a pregnant woman's belly. Could you imagine that woman right now? That black woman, by the way, right? Watching everybody pretend this person was an upstanding human being who just at the age of 42 and five prison stints was going to get his life together. I mean, it's embarrassing. We are embarrassing in that regard, right? We, this is why we have a cycle and a toxic culture because nobody wants to tell the truth in black America. It's so easy to be a victim. It's so easy to ask black, white people to bow down and apologize and do all these things for us. It's crap. It's crap. It's a lie. It's a farce. Our biggest problem is us, okay? It's why we don't talk about it when black on black crime happens. It's why we don't talk about it when 40, 40 black people are killed in one weekend during Memorial Weekend um, in Chicago. We don't want to talk about any of that stuff. We don't want to talk about Baltimore. We don't want to talk about New Jersey. We don't want to talk about any of these places where black people are being slaughtered by other blacks because that would, that would mean that we had to be personally accountable. By opening up the conversation about systemic racism and the challenges that black communities face, you're opening up the conversation about every fucking thing that you just listed off. Right, that would mean personal responsibility. We don't do personal responsibility in our community. We don't do it. We blame white people, right? We only point a- Here's the thing, and maybe this, maybe some people do blame white people. I am a white, I'm a white people right now. I don't feel blamed. I didn't. I didn't do this. It's not that this isn't something that I did. I don't feel blamed. I feel like there's something th things like I, I can do. Um, I feel like speaking up as much as I can is important. I think noticing things and saying things when I see them and, and when I and having a more critical mind when I observe what's going on in the world is a good idea. Um, but I don't feel blamed. So if I can, if, if she's going to speak for the black community, I'll speak for the white community. I don't feel blamed camera to white people when they do something even though we do it at a way higher rate to ourselves right we celebrate our drug dealers we're the only community right that would ever create hashtags to free people from prison because they committed crimes like free meek mill free this rapper free this rapper how hard is it to not spend multiple time it's because the drug laws are fucking bullshit candace they're bullshit some bullshit narrative that was made it was it was crafted to oppress black people, come on. Nixon was one of your dudes. So was Reagan. You guys talk about Reagan all the time. Accept it. Those drug laws are silly. I was in prison. How difficult is that? Is that too hard for us? 
Is that, I mean, is that way too high of a mountain for us to scale to do the right thing to be upstanding citizens? That is the call to action that I have for Black America with Blexit. Like, why do we keep fulfilling this narrative? What do you think the perception of us, by the way, is on the outside? You ever look at the comments? You ever go into like an anonymous blog and see what people say? Oh, just black people being black people. I see those racist comments. Oh, just black people got to riot. Black people got to be black people. You know how they are. Because internet commenters are the best representation of what people think in the world. Fucking idiot. Oh, just black people being ignorant. That—that That is the perception. When people get to be anonymous and talk about us, that's what they think about us, right? They think that we are the kind of people that will forever uphold criminals as the martyrs of our society, that we will never take account for the things that we do wrong, right? That we don't have it within us to educate ourselves to get ahead. And that for those of us that actually do it, well, we get called coons, right? You got Condoleezza Rice, she's a coon. Larry Elder, he's a coon. Dr. Ben Carson, brain surgeon, first ever to perform uh, the surgery of splitting uh, twins that are connected by the head. He's a coon, right? What a loser he is. What a stupid guy he is. Kanye West says he he's not gonna be told to do it because of the color of his skin. He's a coon, he's lost. He's in the sunken place, the sunken place. That's where we all are, right? Because we demand more and we will get more out of this society because we will be, we, we're gonna get ahead, right? That's what's gonna happen. We're gonna get ahead. Black conservatives get ahead because we don't subscribe to this narrative. Because you're not gonna catch me outside trying to grab a TV pretending that it's because a martyr named George Floyd got killed, okay? I'm a big believer that no matter what color you are, you do stupid things, you win stupid prizes, okay? We have to do better. We have to teach our kids better or we're not gonna get ahead, right? Anyways, this is just a rant because I have been feeling super, 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 annoyed at these depictions in society. I, I have, you, you know, I have no apologies here to make. Uh, George, George Floyd is not my martyr. He can be yours. That's, and that's all I have to say to black America. <sighs> okay. Well, we got through it y'all. We did it. Um, just one more side note. I forgot to bring this up on, uh, during the video in Minneapolis where George Floyd was killed, police use force against black people at seven times the rate of white people. And if you have any questions on whether police get off on using the force that they have at their disposal, just look at the peaceful protesters over the last couple weeks. Yeah. Okay. Well, love to hear your thoughts on my thoughts on her thoughts. That would be great. If you could just let me know what you think. And if you enjoyed that little clip there, uh, I mean, that segment, I guess it was a full-on segment of the show that lasted about, I don't know, 30-some-odd minutes. <sighs> Ate up a lot of showtime, and we are running way over the time that I like to usually talk on this show, and I hope you're still hanging around because I fucking love it when you hang around to the very end because what we've got next is something to think about. And we're going to get into that. It's just You know what? I had some more thoughts in closing, but I think I shared enough thoughts. Let me give you something to think about right now. Bow of the fifth column. You gotta love that YouTube and Google just steal all your data and they know what you like and they just serve it right up to you in your suggested videos on YouTube. Because that's how I came across Bow of the Fifth Column. And I was like, huh, 
This guy looks like somebody I grew up with. Got a beard. He wears a curious George hat. Very cute hat. Um, always has funny shirts on. And drops fucking knowledge bombs like nobody's business. So, like I said earlier in the show, if you were here for that, he uh, he records these in like a shed or his garage. Very well organized, by the way. He's got it together. Um, and I want to play this video for you. And I want you, after this video, to go subscribe to him on YouTube. Like that's the best place to get it. Instagram as well. Um, and I'll tag him and whatever, whatever's going on. I'll put him in the, in the, uh, show notes, but I want to play this to you. Now there's some birds chirping in the background. The audio quality isn't great, but the words, what he says, what he shares is incredible. Is incredible. And maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe I just, I was too invested into, uh, <laughs> into Candace Owens to give you something of my own for my own little brain to think about. But um, I think that Bo of the Fifth Column does a better job than I could today, and I want to bring you the best. So let's get into it. Well, howdy there, Internet people. It's Bo again. So today we are going to be talking about the effectiveness of law enforcement. We're going to do that because apparently some people don't know what the word effective means. Effective means it is producing the desired result or outcome. It's a pretty simple definition. Pretty simple. That's what it means. It doesn't mean status quo. Right now, you're hearing a whole bunch of people say, if we reform law enforcement, well, we'll be taking away the tools they need to do their job. They won't be effective anymore. The question is, are they effective now? And I'm not talking about the obvious stuff that we've been talking about all week. I'm talking about, in general, is law enforcement effective? How many times do we actually ask ourselves that question? Like, oh, we just assume. We just assume that they're like, they're, I guess they're doing a good job. I don't know. Like, it seems that way. But they're also kind of dicks. Well, well let's get some answers. Now, the metric that you should use to determine this is not conviction rate. Because that's, that's not fair to law enforcement, to be completely honest. Taking the fair approach. I respect um, it. A lot of times law enforcement can do their job, and when it gets turned over to prosecution, the ball gets dropped. So that's not a good metric. The metric you should use is case clearance rate. Now what that means is a case gets opened, law enforcement conducts their investigation, they drop charges on somebody, and they turn it over. That's a cleared case. Now sometimes cases get cleared through what is called exceptional circumstances or exceptional means. This is when like the, the suspect takes themselves out before the cops get to them or they flee the country, but they know who did it. You know, they have solved the case. That's the metric to use. Now we're gonna use the numbers from 2017 because it's a pretty good year. It shows uh, a pretty effective year for, for law enforcement. We're gonna use those numbers. Um, you can find these at uh, the FBI's statistics on this. I'll put a link down there. Okay, so what about the big one? Homicide. What would you imagine the clearance rate is on this? 61.6. It's not really high. It's not incredibly effective. Keep in mind, this is only <laughs> factoring in cases that were opened. Damn. The person that just turns up missing, they're not involved in this. They're not factored into these numbers. Realistically, 
the, the real number here on solved is probably about half. It's probably about 50%. Damn. Not incredibly effective. Rape, 34.5%. Fuck. Not incredibly effective, especially given the fact that we know that is the most underreported crime in the country. If you factor in the information and the data we have on that, the true effectiveness of law enforcement in dealing with that crime drops to the single digits. It's not effective. Jesus Christ. Robbery, 29.7. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. Ag assault, 53.3. Um, and keep in mind, that's a, that normally occurs between people who know each other. Really easy to identify. Makes sense. Yeah, that's not great. That is not effective. <laughs> I would suggest that that's not effective. Let's go to property crimes that have a victim. Burglary, 13.5. Jesus, fuck. Keep Whoa. in mind, this is also heavily underreported. When your neighbor had their garage broken into, yeah, don't report and they that. didn't call the cops because they didn't want to spend three hours filling out paperwork and waiting for them to show up, knowing they weren't going to do anything about it, that doesn't get factored in. This is only where cases were opened. Larceny theft, 19.2. Motor vehicle theft, 13.7. Motor vehicle, 13.7? If this what? was grade school and this was your report card, I would imagine your parents would be pretty upset with you. I think so. This is not effective. The system as it stands is not effective. So we cannot use the effectiveness of the current system as a reason not to reform. The reality is some of these reforms would allow law enforcement to spend more time dealing with stuff that actually matters. Yeah, that's true. Crimes with a victim. That's true. I would suggest that limiting the scope of law enforcement would allow them to refocus their training on perhaps basic investigative skills rather than learning how to play with their cool new toys. The idea that we should postpone reform because it would hamper the effectiveness of law enforcement is completely blown out of the water when you realize law enforcement is not effective to begin with. It does not produce the desired result or outcome. We need reform. We need it. Now, just to be clear, I have not read the, the, the legislation that the Democrats just put up. I haven't seen it yet. So this isn't really in favor of that because it may be completely watered down. It may have snuck stuff in. I haven't looked at it yet. I'll be doing a video on it later. But what this is, this is the information you need to be able to pull out of your hat when you encounter that argument. Well, we can't stop them from doing all of these horrible things because it may make them ineffective. They're not effective now. Anyway, it's just a thought. Y'all have a good day. Yowza. Bow of the fifth column, my dude. Yes. Love that because we always say we, we, we didn't think because we think like defund the police, the money could be better used elsewhere, we could do something else with it. This is all going on, and there's, there's so many things reform, reform, reform. And I'm going to read that legislation as well. Um, but you can't use effectiveness of the police as as a bargaining chip in that equation. That's that's I did not think about that approach, and I dig it. So, check out Bo the Fifth. I'm going to link his. YouTube channel in the show notes and guys, gals, everybody out there. 
that forced me to do the Candace Owens video. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and find me on YouTube as well. Go follow Bo the Fifth Column or subscribe to him and then go subscribe to me because it makes me feel good when I get a new subscriber because I don't have very many. (laughs) And I appreciate the support because I fucking love you guys and I love doing this. Uh, Well, enjoyed it. Keep your head on straight and I'll see you next time.